0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Michael.
1: Andre? When's the last time we were on location? Oh, it
2: was recent. <laughs> well, we, were at my, we were at my place. That's when uh, we were on location. But we what? were at On Seven. Oh, that's right. We were On Seven, but we were, we were more socially distant than we are here. Although we're all fully vaccinated. Well, we are fully vaccinated. So now there's a voice, uh, obviously, that doesn't sound like Andre and doesn't sound like me. And it seems that we have uh, finally um, followed up on something we talked about last year mid-pandemic. Well, I I think we were going to, I was going to say, have uh, satisfied your biggest wet dream, which I think (laughs) is probably what it is. Uh, so I it's, guess we should
1: get started and just say, full on, the Chardonnay swear has been suspended. I'm throwing five bucks in the jar. Yeah, so five agreement. bucks is
2: going in because Andre really, at some point, said to Ed Madronic, who is our guest today, that he wanted to taste some old Rusty Shed. Uh,
0: and Sounds I, I'm talking, delicious. I'm, oh, I mean old Rusty Shed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh okay. Rusty Shed go, Chardonnay. He wanted
2: to go lick the, the shed itself, yeah. so uh, we are here at Flat Rock in the... Uh, we
0: we'll call it the 360 room because you can see all the way around. Oh, it sort of makes sense, right?
2: So we're in the 360 room. Have you ever been to Flat Rock upstairs? You can basically see all the way around Niagara. I guess, except this wall really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh, anyway. You open the door, You yeah. got it. But um, and we're looking out over the vineyards. And Andre has already said that he loves the smell coming out of the glasses that he has in front of them. We have five. Just sh- to see,
1: so over our
0: shoulder, but that is the rusty shed. Rusty shed's just down there. Just down yep, there. absolutely
2: pretty yeah. big shed.
0: There's a good story to it. So a couple, can I tell a couple stories about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because it really is actually, it, it, there is, um, it's called the Rusty Shed. First, Firstly, it was actually about 100 yards over to the left as we looked down at it. And it was mm-hmm. the neatest thing. It wasn't right in the right place. So what we did is we dug a hole in the shed, we backed up a flatbed trailer, and we put I-beams all the way across that we attached to the posts. We cut the bottom of the post, because it's all wood, cut the bottom of the post, and just drove the flatbed out of the hole. And it lifted the whole thing up. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. When did you do that? That we did uh, before we planted the vineyard. So I was back in about 2000, 2001. And we basically, just a big 18-wheeler, backed up into it, put the, and, and as you drove out of the pit, the hole, up the grade, it just lifted the whole thing right up. So we actually moved it 100 meters to the place it's located now. Is the shed functional? So? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kay. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where Ed lives. It, it has, yeah. It has, <laughs> it, we, we, put the, we put the the pilings for where the posts were before we moved it, and then we just basically drove it over there and just made sure we stopped it right where the pilings were set. It was the craziest thing you've well, ever seen. So there you have it. Yeah. And yeah, if you're ever here at flat Rock, take a look. That is a rusty
2: shed. Yeah. And the story is, if I'm not mistaken, you didn't want to paint it.
0: Yeah, well, yes. My dad would come down and he would sit there and say, Ed, how can, how can we have this beautiful vineyard in this rusty old shed in the middle of the vineyard? And, and I said, well, I don't really want to paint it because he wanted me to paint it. Yeah, yeah. And so we, I named the wine the rusty shed, didn't tell him, labeled it, got the labels all done, labeled the product, and then I gave him the bottle of rusty shed. And I said, Dad, we can never paint the shed. <laughs> and his comment back to me was, you've been avoiding work all your life. You're just getting more creative at it. Oh, good. That's brilliant. So, so I think he appreciated the creativity, yeah. not, some... the, not the laziness. Okay, so
1: what year was the first vintage of Rusty Shed?
0: 04. 04. Yeah, so we had a really small crop in 03, 43 cases that just went into Chardonnay. Okay. Um, so that was sort of our 1st call it a state Chardonnay. And then in 04, when we had a little bit bigger crop, uh, that was the first year we did a tiny bit of uh, Rusty Shed. Yeah. And uh, we don't
1: have 19 glasses in front of us. I
0: think my no. math is, you it's know, it might problem. be off. and yeah. it might be off
1: a little bit. But a little bit, but I mean, we, we, you've selected a few,
2: a few for us Yeah, and you year. say you haven't even tasted any of these for a while. Well, I'm yeah. sure, I suspect you've. You had the 19. 19. I've had the 19 recently, obviously, but and the 17 a little, a little. Yeah, probably a year
0: ago, two okay. years ago. Like it's it's one of those things. We don't go back to these wines. And when we were talking, when this whole idea came up, I was like, just find an excuse for me to open them up for you because I don't get to do this, right? right so here we are. And and so I thought it was great. I sort of we pulled a bunch of vintages from 19 all the way back to 04, which would have been our very first Rusty Shed. And, uh, you know, different, uh, different vintages, obviously, but different, hopefully we'll get a mix of warm, cooler vintages, wetter, drier vintages, uh, different winemakers throughout, and just see, I'm, I'm super curious to see the similarities and, and stuff as we go through it.
2: And obviously different closures. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> come on, come on, don't uh, go, we, don't we go just, there. We just got a chance to visit Narnia,
1: like... Oh, oh, you're Narnia, yes. Yeah. Always... Ah, there was Pinot in that room, too. And there was, but I mean, you,
2: you focused totally. I, I saw your pants get a little bit... Anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but I, I... Yeah. No, there is a... Well,
1: I guess maybe we shouldn't let too many His people His pants got a little tighter yeah. in that room. You, you know go. what I mean? I guess go. that's what I was yeah. trying to get at. But there is a nice library here. There is yeah. a nice library, yeah. Yeah. but but you remarked immediately when you walked in that there is nothing under cork in the.
2: No, library. no, I had said there's uh, there's uh, hey, what's that thing <laughs> under cork? <laughs> and Ed looked, which you <laughs> well, know, what are you for, talking about? For a guy who is completely convinced of screw cap, why he would even look? Yeah. but he's well, you know, who slipped a cork yeah. item in here? So it was pretty funny. Yeah. So where do you want us to start on this whole Chardonnay? I thing? I like
0: start? going from. Uh, young to old, all right? right? So we are, uh, we because we
2: have a bottle of 04 on the table. Yeah, and we'll get to we'll that, open that at the up end afterwards. But we are going to start with the current vintage, vintage which is the '19. '19.
0: Rusty Shed. Absolutely. Okay.
2: Now, the Rusty Shed has always, as far as Chardonnays go, has always been uh, one of my one of my favorite Chardonnays uh, in mm-hmm. Niagara. So, uh, well, good. This Thank is you. an interesting uh, tasting for me because I have listen uh, to you saying nice things about Chardonnay. Well, I can do it occasionally. Yeah. After that, I'll, I'll crap all it.
0: Well, what I love, um, you know, I I know you're not the the wildest fan of of Chardonnay, Michael. But what I love about Chardonnay is um, it, it can be different, right? Um, depending on what the winemaker wants to do with it, oaked, unoaked, um, you know, lazy, you know, lean and austere, rich and opulent, and all that. All those different things can be done in the same region, right? Um, what we try to do with Rusty is this is our oak, so barrel fermented, barrel aged um, Chardonnay, so it's meant to be a little bit bigger, more full-bodied and things like that, um, and that's the style that we're trying to get with the Rusty Shed, but, but what I love about Niagara and Bench Chardonnay is that beautiful, bright acidity that remains and exists and, and allows you to, to drink more than a sip. When, when you say bigger, though,
1: um, is that... Because I, th- I think the thing with big Chardonnay is there's just so many different ways Chardonnay can be big while holding on to austerity. While whether you're talking about Merceau versus California versus New Zealand, you know, versus Australia, has that whole idea of what makes a big Chardonnay evolved at Flat Rock over the years, or did you walk in with a vision where it's just like, you know, we're making Niagara, but you know, we're 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 tipping our hat to producer X or producer Y.
0: Um. It's evolved in the sense that we have learned over time, right? We've learned more about our vineyard. We've learned more about our barrel program. We've learned more about our techniques in the winery, and we've continued to improve. But I think in general, the style that we've always wanted to have with the Rusty Shed was very much around, um, when I say big, it doesn't mean those, ni- you know, the, ni- the 90s California Chardonnay with massive fruit, massive mallow, massive oak, right? That's not what we're talking about. When I, we're talking about big, it's just, call it richer in, in complexity and flavor. When we, when we add oak to it, we barrel ferment it, we barrel age it. Um, we might stir the leaves a tiny, tiny bit. Um, but at the end of the day, we're trying to make a balanced Chardonnay. There still should be freshness and acidity. So when I say big, I don't mean over-the-top blousy that you can get from uh, Chardonnay, but just call it richer in style. So the 19 to me is, is that more opulent, rich
2: style. And I've, I've taken three sips, and I didn't get much acidity, and that surprised, surprised me off the first sip. I got it off the second, and I was like, oh, there it is. And the third, again, there was nothing. So it's playing, it's playing possum a little bit here.
0: Interesting.
1: It's so funny that the, the acid holds, but I think it's because I'm still drinking the, the 18s. And I found the 18s across the board, not just from Flat Rock, but from all the great Chardonnay producers just seem to take to the oak a little bit more and need a little bit more time to settle down.
0: Yeah, you know, it's always... What, what, it's one of the things I love about uh, Niagara, and we don't celebrate it enough, is the diversity of vintage. We get so caught up in this vintage is great versus that vintage is great. And I think that's a real mistake. I think that's a... That's a young wine region um, learning to develop. And, and because we're always, oh, my God, the, whatever vintage is supposed to be the great vintage, and we're focusing on that rather than, oh, my God, this 18 is a little bit more opulent or whatever it is, and this 19 is a little more of this style. It doesn't make for right or wrong, better or worse. It makes for different. And I think that's one of the things that I would love to see us change a little more Celebrate the diversity rather than trying to pick the winner and the loser. Totally,
1: but it's also in terms of of building a a wine collection, though, understanding that you don't need to drink your wines in a linear. Which is why I'm excited to go go through this pass. Is because I've got the seventeens that I I think I've I've snuck ahead to the seventeens. They're still one of my favorite Chardonnay and Pinot Noir vintages ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, stick with the program. No, sure, it's all good. But it's like I, I was—I
1: was looking forward to seeing the nineteen and the seventeen yep. side by side because yep. in my head, nineteen was similar yep. to seventeen, and it, it does match up pretty perfect. Perfectly. I don't, I don't
2: think nineteen was close to seventeen. Seventeen was
1: a. No, I mean just in terms of how these two are approachable oh. side by side versus the versus the eighteen. So in my cellar, I'll be getting to the seventeens of the nineteens. With the eighteens, might wait another four years, five yep. years, and I know that that eighteen is going to come around. Yep. It's just I have to be patient.
2: See, I like I like the seven. Now I now I've. Stuck in in yeah, yeah, great. I so I, I, I really appreciate that, that fruit character that's in the 17, um, and it's very well balanced with the acidity, Whereas where I thought the 19, because of the, the vintage that was 19, which is a very high acid year, um, you've hit it really, really well. And I don't know if you were trying to hide it or what you were doing, but the 17 seems really balanced, really fruit-forward, as well as having a little bit of that richness,
0: yeah, and I think part of it too is is, is barrel is bottle age, right? Like I think the the wine has got to, you know think about this; it hasn't even been in bottle for a year, right? It's yeah. still integrating; it's still trying to knock off its adolescence, you know. They and so, yeah. So look, I I um, it's interesting because they they are similar, and, and part of that might be winemaker, right? So Dave w- made both of these wines, right? Okay. Dave Shepard. Uh, And, um, you know, part of that is stylistically, um, you know, winemakers do certain things that that work for them, right? And I think, you know, he's certainly, I think we, and and what I love about it is we continue to elevate, I think, our program at Flat Rock Cellars as we have new winemakers, as new blood comes in. Um, We still have that history of what we've done, but we continue to build on it. And I think that diversity uh, has been a blessing, quite frankly, for us.
1: It, 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 the fruit's pretty apparent in both of them, but the 19 does speak to a cooler vintage, in in my opinion. Like it's yeah. leaning towards baked apple, where the 17 is just like
0: electric mango juice. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I look, I like them both. It's, it's yeah, it for me, me, I don't want to, I'm not gonna. See, so yeah, I jump all over the 17. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's my kind of Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, I really right. like that
2: because the fruit is forward, and the oak is taking a back seat whereas yep. but you're saying that the 19 could shed some baby yep. fat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we could end Well up how long, with the, how long ago did
0: the 19 uh, get to market? It's really recent, right? Just now. Yeah, we yeah. literally we try and you know, it's supply and demand sometimes, right? Sometimes the the flood you get a you get a great score, great recognition for a wine or something and the, everybody wants it, right? And so yeah. you're trying to always balance that and trying to figure it out. Um but, um, so yeah, so generally we try and release them a year, nine months after after bottling. So yeah, oh, wow. so we're on schedule. So, so. These,
2: so these are very recent. These are Dave, uh, Dave, Dave.
0: Yep. I was going
2: to say Dave Johnson, but yep. that's not uh, a, the that's Dave um yep. wines. So yeah, you get that, you know, from Coyote's Run, you get that opulence yep. in what he's going here for here. But now we step back to what year?
0: 12. Okay. okay. So now we're... So
2: 12 hot,
0: dry. Correct.
2: So Right. Totally different from 17, obviously, yep. because 17 was that kind of cool vintage up until September, and then it gets into, you know, crazy heat and everything ripens, and I think that's why we have that nice acidity in 17 and everything just seems nice and, and full. But now here we are in 12, which is just a, one of those blisteringly hot years that everybody was so, so thrilled about. Right. This smells like sponge toffee.
0: And this, to me, is where, um, you and know. smells like a crunchy bar.
1: <laughs> it totally minus, is. Minus the chocolate. Minus the chocolate. Yeah, it no. totally is. It, but like just so, a very... Yeah,
0: total sponge toffee. I love that. Yep. But still beautiful freshness, right? Which from a really hot year, you know... I think we'd have to look... Uh, yeah, they,
1: So we can see the acid's already fallen off on the, on the back end of that, but it's still...
2: Andre's still drinking this. But it's, to me, that comes across as sweet. You know, you've got that, that sponge toffee note. And it actually comes through on the palate, and it's got like a like a certain kind of sweetness to it, uh, not a not a richness, but there's a there's kind of a sweetness of fruit plus you know almond pralines and some oh that's uh, a good one and some of that sponge toffee, so it's got those notes ab- about it. Yep. And but the other thing um, too is
1: I think the soft acid is a bit deceptive because I'm waiting for that to linger and linger and linger, and it's it's not like it. It dissipates, like it, it, it lifts like a fog on the back palate as opposed to something sharp like the 19.
2: It also has a, it got a fairly uh, like a medium length finish, but I also find that uh, there's a little bit of a donut characteristic. There's a middle that seems to be missing in here. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so you weren't saying it tastes like donuts. It's no, a, no. I, okay, I understand. It, it's a
1: metaphor. It is a metaphor, yes. I get metaphors. Metaphor. Metaphor. Damn it! I hate when I agree with you. Yeah, so so, what, but, that, but what, that's cool. Like, it's one of the things where I, won, I wonder what this tasted like even five years ago.
2: Yeah,
0: you know. Well, I, let's step back in time. Yeah. But I'm I, I'm still uh, amazed because so I, now I'm t- like I haven't tasted it in a while. So I'm I, I'm I'm I love the notes that you guys have got because I do love the the crunchy bar without the chocolate for sure. Is is a great that sponge toffee is a great uh, example. Um, you know, again, I always think about those big, hot, really ripe vintages, and then we go to cooler vintages. And I find the the cooler vintages are the ones that you know evolve. Um, I'll say more completely over time. I would agree, right? I would I would agree with that. So, yeah, you yeah. know. So uh, you know, I still like this. Still beautiful. Still has life in it. Um, I think you know. Here's where I'll put a plug in for screwcap. Oh, it's the power that, of the screwcap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the sure power of that. the screw cap is keeping this alive, right? Because I think if you were in, if this was in cork, there's there's no way that you know the wines that we're going to try now would be nearly as um, as as bright and and, and lively. They'd, also, as they they'd are. also, I think,
2: be a little on the browner side too. Yep. Right. So, yep. um, and I've always I've always thought to myself, and it, and it seems to follow this way that. On, in hot vintages, I always prefer your lower tier, um, oh. and in cooler vintages, I'm always a big fan of the Rusty right. shit. Yeah. and it just always seems that
0: way. You know what, I love that you, you say, say that, Michael, because for some people it might be the complete opposite, sure. yeah. but what I love about that comment is now we're having a conversation about... Not better or worse necessarily. It's just different, yeah. right? And it goes back to what I was saying right at the beginning: is we so talk about better or worse? I remember, and just a quick story: I was I was in um, Florence for this tasting that we did with Ian Daggert, and and it was we went out for um, we went out for uh, to a wine bar. And what was cool about it is the Smalley at the wine bar. He obviously went to all the places, just like a sommelier from Toronto or you guys coming down, tasting all these different wines from different wineries. And it would go to, I love the Brunello from this producer, but the Rosso is a better value from this producer and these vintages. And it's just that innate knowledge of understanding, you know, what you like from a producer is something that we are slowly building as people spend more time. Because you can't come down to Flat Rock once and say, I know what Flat Rock does and I like this versus that. You know, it's as you build a repertoire of visiting a place multiple times and going to multiple different wineries, you start to build up. I know what I love from that producer, and, you know, I prefer this. But it's the best
1: part about the multiple visits, and it's going back to something you said as well, is recognizing vintage variation. And when you've been doing this long enough, and you've been tasting enough different producers, you know warm vintage, so-and-so is the winemaker at A, maybe Wine A won't be as strong, but we know wine B is going to knock it out yeah. of the park, and wine right. C will probably be pretty good, too. So yeah. who's our
2: winemaker in 12? 12 is Jay. Okay. all right. And now we're moving back how many more years? Three. Okay. So we're going to 09. Oh. So, so before I even... That was, that was
1: a, right, right when I was new to writing about winemaking that... I just want to make
0: sure I said this right. Did I do that right? Oh, so I lied. Oh, oh we mixed them up. So I totally screwed you guys up. So Mr. we were talking about the 12, and it was actually the 14. Now oh. we're going to the 12. Okay. So interesting. 14 Fourteen. 14 average year, right? You jumped in earlier, Haley. You made So we have our... Making sure to get proper guidance from the winemaking right. staff. All right, got it. Straighten this out. So I t- we take it all back. It doesn't okay. matter. The taste is the same. It so wasn't was a, a hot vintage. No, was but great. cool, wet vintage. 14? Yeah.
2: Cool, wet yeah. vintage.
0: yeah. yeah.
2: So I'm pretty good with the vintages. That's yeah. pretty much the only thing yeah. I'm, you
1: know. Totally. But the acid should be higher in the
2: 14.
0: It didn't feel that way, right? I see, it. Yeah. I found the acid was there, but that was just me. Well, it, it didn't attack like the 19, I'll right? Like everything, right? It, it, just...
1: it, it didn't hit the back palate like the 19 or even the the 17. But I think that's just with age, right? Like the acid just starts to fall off. But again, like,
0: but very wet vintage, right? So, so yeah. So that would have been Jay, and this would have been Jay. What's that? It was a small crop, though, because 14, okay. so you've got to remember 14. Yes, it might have been cooler, but it was a small crop. So as I taste the 12, what's interesting is I almost find the 12 fresher. We have a shy winemaking team.
2: It's okay, but we, uh, we have a fact checker. We have a fact checker in the room. Yeah, the winemaker so. does not want to be on microphone. She's a little bit, little bit nervous, but all facts will be checked. Because then we will uh, then we'll be asking her questions, and she's, just, she's not ready to ask your questions. See, the, not the, ready. The, the, the 12 is less
1: uh, sponge toffee and more the pineapple yeah. mango. There is more
2: pineapple here, yes. yes and that's, sure. and that's, the, that's the hot vintage yes. coming into play here. But oh 4 wasn't it one of the, it was, uh, sorry, 14. Wasn't that a high crop season or? No. No, it was oh four. 4 No. no. That was the, the big crop season. Big
0: it? crop for me was, 16 was big. Yeah. Um, trying to think back. was Oh, there's 11 13 was 11, 11 not 13 big. Was big. 13 was big across yeah. the board. That's yeah. right. It 13 was, the, was big. It was the
2: biggest crop we, uh, Ontario ever pulled yeah. Yeah. in. Yeah, That's the one. And
0: uh, 14 was small. It was a cold winter. And then we had another cold winter. And oh, 15 13, was even. 13, strong. 14, 14, 15. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, 13, 14, 14, 15 were the cold winter. So 14 was a small crop. And so that's part of the, the challenge, too, with the different For, vintages.
1: But we're, like, were you as affected by those short winters as someone who had
0: other varieties planted? Yeah. Oh well, I'm sure if you planted uh, Sauvignon Blanc, you were struggling, but um, and some other varieties. But no, it was tough. Man, we did not have a lot of no minus 32 and minus 36. Those vines don't like that. They don't like cold, right? It was it was it was a tough, tough. That was ugly, yeah, right? That's a tough and, goal. Uh, and that's uh, just, look. And everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, everybody says, well, why do you, you know, then we shouldn't grow grapes here if, if you know, our winters are too cold. But, the, but the, the problem is, is look what happened in France this year. Yeah. Right? No kidding. Yeah. The, you know they got ravaged by frost. Well, why are they planting in France? Because they just got but, ravaged by. And even even the, even the end
1: result. Like I remember the the fifteen gravity. I think that was one of yeah. the first Pinot Noirs where the moment that hit my mouth it well, was, was like right. It was a, it was a moment, and, like, that, and
2: that's that's what I was about to say. But, but look at the results. Oh, yes. like I yeah. mean, Sorry, the Michael. results speak for themselves. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. why do we grow grapes here? Well, here's a glass of wine. Like, yeah. You tell me why I'm growing yeah. grapes here, right? So. Yeah. Well, I'm not growing grapes. You're yeah. the one. Uh, yeah, you, know, yeah, you don't want to grow here. grapes. you about it. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, so but, what's, what's the next one? But so twelve. Uh, yeah,
2: so, so we're yeah. still on the twelve. We're still on the twelve. Yeah, okay. we well, just. I just want to f- finish the tasting note. Okay. okay this okay. one yeah. is. Um, uh, so we were fourteen. Had that donut finish. You know, there was nothing down the middle. This one is is a little fuller on the palate. Yep, I'm so.
1: finding this a bit of a donut. Really? As well but well, it it's got the, it's, it's got one. the vibrant fruit like that the, if there is a, an exhibit to per, be presented in court for the um the excellence of screw caps this is definitely no. up there. No.
0: Well, well look I I would have thought so I actually find I I prefer the 14 myself just I find the richness is better. I don't get the donut on 14. I I like the 14. Um the 12 um I'm surprised at how how still you know Vibrant it is, just because it was a big hot vintage. Um, uh, but again, I think everybody went crazy for the twelves. I think, it, and maybe it's partly because that's when we that's when we can do our cab francs and our yeah. other reds, you know, other than Pinot Noir, well in <laughs> Ontario. So I so, like, oh my god, we had a hot vintage; we could ripen a cab franc, right? Um, whereas I don't, th- I, I, I I'm less of a fan of it, you know, in in those super hot years, yep. and you got a for, for chart, right?
2: So for, for me, uh, I am not a huge fan of either. That's okay. But if I was going to have to pick one, it would be the 14. Yeah, so the yeah. 14. I would drink the crap the, out of both, both of these. Of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, I, <laughs> I, I like it's them both. Chardonnay. So no, look,
0: look and, <laughs> and, and, and a bit of this too is getting picky, right? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's not, it. It's not like we're saying, you know, one is 100 points and the other is 50 points. You know what I mean? I mean, but well, let's face it. I definitely have wines. a
1: favorite wine at the table, but if someone showed up at my house with the 14 or the 12, yeah, you'd be, that's not going down the sink.
0: You'd be happy with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think, again, this to me is
1: one of the... That being said, also, if I have any 14
0: or 12 and I have to actually go check the cellar, I think it's time to drink them. Yeah, yeah I but, but I think this to me is what I see happening with our wine culture, right? 15 years ago, we would never be having this conversation in Ontario, right? We would be ne- never celebrating the differences of vintages. We would never be self-critiquing ourselves. We would never be, we'd always be striving to be something where, you know, always striving rather than just, hey, these are just vintage. great wines. That was the vintage. Right? That's the vintage, that's a great wine. But right? it's,
1: it's a challenge when you're growing up with the culture because I, I, I take a look at my own journey as a, as a consumer. And I remember the first time I set my foot in Flat Rock, and I brought my mum here many times into Flat Rock, and, you know, I'd be grabbing, gravitating towards the $20 wines. And it's not until recently, that you know, 2015 is the moment where I was just like, yeah. oh, my God, this is what really good Pinot tasted like. Yeah. And then last year, when I decided I wanted to learn more about Burgundy, and I mean, it, there are not a lot of wine consumers that hit that region because it is so cost-prohibitive to get right, there. it just can't taste. But you can spend $80, $90 on a bottle of Burgundy and have it be supremely mediocre have it be acid and disjointed, or need to spend hours and hours in a decanter. Where, yeah. you know, in Ontario, what we get from you or from your neighbors up or down the, yeah. the street here at fifty bucks, that could go toe to toe with anything from mercury, yeah. even at the price. Yeah. And it's and it's tough to get the consumers willing, or, or tough to get consumers when you and I work as journalists and say forty dollars for a bottle of gravity Pinot is good value. It's tough for people to really understand that,
2: but it is. Well, I got to taste Pinot from L. El- that's, that's the thing. People have to taste Pinots and Chardonnays and Syrahs and Cab Francs from everywhere in the yeah, world yeah. to understand how well we're doing or where we're missing the mark. Uh, if you are just a person who said I only drink Ontario wine, then you're then you're really missing out on a, on a world that that you sh- you should have that knowledge base to go whether you, we stand toe to toe with Burgundy, yeah. with California, with with whoever, and it's the other uh, uh, one that I've heard. I only I will never drink a wine under a screw cap. You don't know how many wines you're missing uh, out there these days. For if anybody who says that they don't drink anything out of the screw cap, you're missing a, 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 yeah. a look, world of really great. Drink, the Arma of
1: Jim Barry
0: 500 bucks a bottle stored under screw cap. That's, yeah. right, look, I we won't get into the screw cap debate other than for me to say it is the best closure for wine right now and it, it, and yeah. it really is i you know anybody who wants to debate i'm happy to oh sign no no there, up there's there's a
1: very key thing that you added to the end of what you just said there and you said for now and i think that's a very important thing for people to understand is that yeah. things cork. evolve yeah, closures those,
0: evolve bottles evolve right. cork is a 500 year old technology right? Do you want to drive a 500-year-old car? Oh, they didn't have cars back then, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're talking about. That was a horse. Yeah, well, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, well, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but you know what? The reality, too, is, is I, and I'll be a little bit harsh on how people talk about Burgundy. I think a lot of people say, I love this wine because it's from Burgundy, as opposed to, I love this wine. And there's a difference. Yeah, I would agree with Do that. Do You know what Some I mean? Some people just have uh, a, that burgundy blinder. Yeah, it's right? a Burgundy. Yeah. Hey, this is a Givry chambertin It's lovely. I paid $150 for it. It's yep. an awesome wine. No, there are a lot of $150 dollars Givry chambertin that They're aren't good, good. That are not good. Full stop. Yep. Like it's because if I own a block and I'm a crappy producer or if it's a crappy vintage, but I can still charge 150 bucks cuz it says Burgundy Givry chambertin on the bottle, I'm still going to charge 150 bucks. Because that's the business model, right? Yeah. And we get so caught up in um, uh, in in what it is. It just and I'll, I'll give. Let's go to the nine, and I'll tell a funny Burgundy story. Okay. okay. So, so so before I even 09. put this, it, I'm 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 smelling it, and but I
2: knowing oh nine, and this is a high acid year. So we got nine, and we got nineteen. So the nineteen hid the acid, but again, we're saying it's it's very young. We should give it another year in bottle and see what happens. So the nine would probably be the closest thing to 19 that we have, but we have age now here in the bottle.
0: Yeah, I, I think nine probably had more acid. So nine, just so everybody, I, I remember this vintage very well. It was mid-August, and we were like, holy crap, it's been cold all summer long. And if it's not sunny, uh, we got a thin crop, we got we to gotta figure out how we're going to ripen this fruit. And all of a sudden, starting August 15th, for the next six weeks, it was 25 degrees during the day and 12 degrees at night. Just and like literally. Day. Every day, 25, 12 at night. 25, 12 at night for six straight weeks. It was unbelievable. And so we had this... It, eventually everything ripened. Everything was unbelievably healthy, the fruit. Acids were high. And I think the thing that we, we love the fruit... Um, and I think the thing that you'll notice on this one, it's a bit reductive. Uh, I it, it, right. There, there's still, it, and it's it's taken a beating in the glass. And I'm I'm swirling it in the swirl just it like on. crazy because the '09s. I think across the board, you talk to any winemaker, uh, the wines ended up for whatever reason being very reductive. Um, but this is this is intact. Oh, it for is. sure, this is completely yeah, intact. It's not, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think
1: this wine's done. I think this wine has a few more years in the in the well, cellar. Well, probably, and again,
2: because it's this, it, you know, I don't not to beat a dead horse here, but it is this closure that is going to give it a few more years to go, and that the acidity is really. Um, well, this is not a donut. This on. is
1: this is a fritter for
2: sure. Yeah, there's something going on here, especially in the middle. Yep. But it does have donut characteristics.
1: Oh. Maybe the characteristics. Oh, okay. Now we're talking about Yeasties. not not metaphorical yeah, no, and no, no, no. actual donut.
2: Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like an actual donut. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it's interesting,
0: it's more like a cruller than it is a, or a cruller, I guess. Do you want to ask, do you have any questions for Haley as she stands and is nervously watching and doesn't want to participate? Oh. So, Haley is our new assistant winemaker. We love Haley. She's just joined us in the last month and a half. And she's incredibly nervous, and we're going to throw her to the wolves. So, while you've got her, so she is new. So, she just tasted through all the wines. And, oh, right. um, you know. It's the first time so Haley Haley? Haley, Haley,
2: okay. So Haley, so Haley, since uh, let's let's turn and, and face. Take a mic, So you 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 come from uh, what's your background? Where do you where you come to wine
3: from? Uh, so I've been in this industry for like six years or so now. Okay. Uh,
2: my last job, uh, I got educated at Niagara College. Okay.
3: Uh, and then I've been at uh,
2: Angel's Gate Q. Okay. Since then.
3: Uh, background more in sparkling
2: wine. More in sparkling wines. Okay, so. So did you bring her in as a sparkling wine expert? Is that what you did, Diane?
0: Well, we, absolutely. She brings that skill set to us, which is awesome. But she's, she's not I, a one-trick pony, for sure. Yeah. But uh, she's going to You've been
3: talking about Burgundy. I am a fan of many Burgundy wines. But, uh, yeah, not solely Burgundy. Uh, Burgundy varietal.
2: So what have you thought about, the so far, the five wines that we have, uh, we have tasted? Is there one that you're uh, a fan of? Uh, Are any of these you know before you were born
3: uh no, before I was born, the two thousand and nine vintage would have been before I was of drinking age um, and the twenty twelve was actually the first vintage that it was in the wine industry. I spent that summer on Pelee Island, and I remember how hot that summer was um and then uh, 2017 would have been my second one doing
0: a proper vintage in Niagara. So Philip Dowell was over is, is, with, is over at Angel's Gate. I worked with Philip Dowell when he was at Inniskillin, And he came from Coldstream Hills? Yep. Uh, from Australia. And uh, so it's an intertwined industry, which is, which is great. Yep. So it's yeah. awesome.
2: So we're, we're really looking forward to the 04, and, and, and maybe we should, we should one, pour that, and then two, uh, before anybody says anything, we should say, oh, I have somebody, you know, everybody, in, including Haley, has to say something about the wine before Ed tells any kind of stories, or we talk about the vintage, or, or anything like that. So, uh, and we're going to start with Haley. Well, so far <laughs> 2009 has been my favorite, I think the,
3: I'm a fan of, I guess acidity like through the finish in the Chardonnay. And I think it's held up beautifully.
1: I think I think the fact that it's held up is like it's miraculous, but I'm still twenty
2: seventeen. Seventeen so is really, really good. Yeah. So Haley, we're gonna we're gonna start with you uh, about this this 04, and, and Ed poured this a la minute, I guess, because yeah, right you were just slightly worried. But yeah. maybe sitting in glass, it would fall apart. So that's yeah, no, why we you cracked never,
0: it. You never know with old wines, right? And the older they are, the faster they get better and worse in a glass, right? right? And so I uh, didn't know how it was going to... had no idea. So I'll, And we'll get to let it evolve in the glass as we try it. But think about this. This is, you know, 17 years? Yep. 17 years old, right?
2: And, and look, uh, for, for me, Niagara Shard has got a lifespan of... Maximum eight years. Like uh, so I, thought court, just, I, I thought,
0: you just I just like the 09, which is correct. Twelve okay. years. But I'm so just saying I'm expanding your maximum. But it's a good rule. Of because I'm we had
1: the fourteen, the fourteen, and the twelve. Though yeah.
0: that were both. Mm. Yeah. well. It'd be interesting to try them in, a, in three, four years, right? I guess we'll do this
2: again in three, four years for yeah. our like. No, seriously. Episodes. But what I'm getting at is is mostly under cork, right? That's where most Chardonnays are are put under of this of this quality, Truth.
0: right? Yeah, again, um, why would anybody do (laughs) this? I I, I get it, and and we can belabor the point I know, I know.
2: But what I'm saying is, you give me a bottle under cork of Chardonnay from Niagara, and I will tell you, um, you know, if it's over eight years, it's a crapshoot. And probably higher, on the higher side, that it's not going to be the greatest bottle of wine of your entire life. Whereas... The wild card becomes the screw cap because you're like, I I, I can't yeah. say that it's yeah. you, know.
0: pos, pos, you might. I, I think there's a little there's absolutely truth to what you're saying. Have you looked? Have you thought about differences of place in Niagara? I I, I would argue, um, and you're gonna say I'm biased, and maybe I am, but I'm gonna argue. I think particularly Chardonnay from the bench um, with thinner soils, deeper roots. Um, less water have uh, a longevity that exceeds the flatter part of the peninsula. So, who, whose
2: vineyard would you say that you are on par with? Like, I'm like, not on par with anybody, Michael. But I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh, as, as far as the makeup of your vineyard, so is there a winery that you would say, "Look, Wait,
0: this who, is the your, winery." Your
1: neighbor? Just to,
0: just so, to the north. You know, um, so. I'm going to argue there is no vineyard that is like mine in Niagara. So, and I'll, and I'm I'll that is correct my,
2: because LeClo wanted this vineyard. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Point. And so if you look at our vineyard, and I know when you look down at this, it doesn't look like it's a steep grade. But the difference from where we're sitting to the house down there is over 100 feet. So it's a 100 foot difference. If you look over to the west, the vineyards over there, you'll notice they're all on flat land. And if you look on the bench, think about the land that was on the bench. This is probably the steepest vineyard on the bench because nobody cleared land that was steep. Everybody cleared flat land. So, because most of this land was cleared 100, 200 years ago. And nobody would have cleared land that was on a steep slope because it just, you couldn't grow anything. You weren't going to grow things and it would be a pain in the butt. So, it's very unusual, even on the bench, which is on the hill, to find a vineyard that is has a steep gradient. Yes, they absolutely all fade uh, south to north, right? So if you go to Cave Spring Vineyard, which I think is a very good vineyard, absolutely. But it does not slope as much as this vineyard. So, one. Two, we're farther away. As the bench goes that way, it gets closer and closer to the lake. So that actually... Um, You're pointing in, in a westerly direction. We, I'm pointing in a westerly direction. So, again, that changes it. It's actually good in winter because it warms up those places down in winter. Farther away from the lake in winter is tougher. Um, but farther away from the lake in summer is great because we're a little bit warmer. Two, we're almost at the crest. See that you go back 800 meters there? That's the crest of the escarpment. Okay, so right? it's pointing south. So, now. if you go, yeah, so now I'm pointing south. If you go look at a map of Burgundy, and we love to compare ourselves to Burgundy. Where are the Grand Cru vineyards? They're not at the bottom of the slope in Burgundy. They're up on the upper third, right? They are never at the bottom, and they're not really in the middle. Some of them slide in, but they are all sort of above the 50% mark because that's where airflow and water drainage are greatest. So when you start thinking about this place, this little pocket, this little postage stamp on the bench, steeper gradient, higher up the escarpment, farther away from the lake. Nobody else has that combination of place, which makes us very, very unique, right? And so when we think about ageability, those to me are super important factors. Like the water drainage here forces the roots down farther, which allows my wines to age. It's not just screw cap that, that, does, that allows the ageability. It's the place and where we are, that makes a huge difference. So I would... I would and it's way too late. Yeah. But
1: I would have... I know, we were supposed to ask Haley what she thought about the wine before. Yeah, well we, got to side we
0: well, we actually
2: haven't talked about the o so yeah. that's one thing. We're good but with it. I would have been very interested if you had put, like, six bottles or a dozen bottles under cork every year to see if you were right about the screw cap. But so I think you would have been right about... And, and about ageability. Right. Because that, that would have told you whether it was the screw cap, the place...
0: Or, or yeah, absolutely. But yes, and I think I've asked my winemakers to start doing that because I do want to learn about that. Um, so, um, because we did, you did the sparkling tasting. Did you do the? I unfortunately was out of town. so I, and well, I also You were could not invited. Make it. But you guys were invited. We were, were both invited, invited and we couldn't so, make it. So, the only bottles of wine that have ever touched, that Cork has ever touched at Flat Rock Cellars, sparkling. was sparkling for my mom. So, we never sold it, it was never commercially available. Uh, my mom is a big uh, sparkling wine fan, and she was horrified that I was going to put it under crown cap. Again, traditional perspectives on things. And so I, um, she's my mom, <laughs> and so I bottled, I bottled, uh, you know, whatever, 10, six bottle cases, or whatever it was, of uh, sparkling or sparkling wine in 06 for my mom. And call it two years ago now, because we did it before COVID, but... Um, we found nine bottles, just hidden, you know, shoved in a corner in the cellar. And so we invited you guys, um, but other other uh, people. We actually sent the analysis over to Brock, and I'm happy to share you with the, the chemical analysis that Brock did on our behalf. Um, and there is a distinct difference between the wines that were aged in cork and aged in a crown cap. Right. So that's wine. that's
2: why I would have said. So you, so you you just said well you, your wines will age better because yeah. of where you are in the place, right. But I do believe your distinct advantage is the, is the yes, just keeping in mind all the factors Absolutely. that go into Correct. it. Right. Absolutely. It. But but what I was trying to get at, I guess, was you know who's a, a comparable vintage. And let's just say you got a you got a neighbor that's just to the south. <laughs> let's say south and north west. Well, you got vine- you got neighbors all over. But let's take Westcott for instance. Yep. Who yep. has a you know a regular. And a reserve line Let's, and that you don't call yours reserve, but it, it would be interesting because you are, are within close proximity of each other to grab bottles from the same vintage because they use cork, and you use screw cap right and go back, say, 10 years, and see whose wine has aged better.
1: And but then you get to the other, you get to the other factors though, right: which, which Because' less so,
2: flat, and... but that's where I was getting at. I was getting at, pick me a place that is similar, and they're none of, is the same, because it's all terroir yeah, and blah, 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 yeah, but pick a place abundance. that's similar, but I was hoping <laughs> you would go with somewhere that has another yeah. cork, and then we go, well, now it's time yeah, to grab yeah, some wine.
0: No, look, look, I, I'll give you an example, so it absolutely makes a difference, and um, uh, Jeff Aubrey, who was at Code, he's Run, we did a tasting, they did a Chardonnay tasting, in an old, older vintage, at the time, it might have been in, in wasn't super old, but it was a Chardonnay tasting. And um, it was at the Brock Experts Tasting that they historically have done every year. And they do it, the industry, wine writers, everybody comes, gets together, and just talks about the wines, and, and they, do, they pick up a, a theme. So they did older Chardonnays. Of the 20 Chardonnays, I think five of them were mine, or 15 of the Chardonnays, whatever it was. We had a lot, because they, they showed well. Yeah. It convinced Jeff to go 100% screw cap, because he tasted the wines and goes, oh, my God. These wines are way better in screw cap than they are in cork. Why would I do it? Yep. Right. And so, look, uh, it, is, it, 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 it amazes me to, to this day that I'm, like, I get it when I opened up my doors in 2005 that there's a debate over screw cap, right? Today, oh. it's mind-boggling to me that there's still a debate and I still have to convince people. Oh, in, but but you know, we do have evolution. Like, the compound corks have swept the industry. Um,
1: by storm, and I, I think we need a little bit more time before the jury's out on that, but it does make a statement when you're but a company who yeah. warranties your
0: closure for as long as 20 years. Yeah. So again, um, part of the problem, part of the problem with that, I get it. And that's the I, that to me is the cork hanger honors um, arguments, right? Oh, somebody will guarantee it for 20 years. Problem is, is you still have to let me give you the you, there's spit still, it out, just spit it a out. a whole bunch of flaws with. Right, And you I can mean, come back to the flaws. But if I created wine, and I knew I wanted to put it in a glass bottle because I knew a glass bottle was the best thing, but I, had to, I knew I had to close it. If I went to the closure suppliers, and I went to the cork guy. The cork guy said, hey, I can give you this wine. You know, even though it's the composite one, it might be, you know, it, but it'll still, um, you still might get cork taint, but we'll even if we remove the cork taint. But it still might oxidize prematurely. You're going to have to lay it on its side. Otherwise, it'll dry out and oxygen will get right, in. Well, That's the other thing. Your
1: library or, is all and, stored up right. And,
0: and, and you've got, you got to get ask your customers to invest in a utensil to open it up. Right? Think about that. Or I could go to the screw cap supplier and say, yeah, you can store it straight up and down. You don't have to worry about cork ting. You don't have to. You can just open it up. You don't have to. Like, nobody would choose a cork. If wine did not exist today, there is zero producers that would choose a cork. Because there are no real intrinsic benefits of using a cork, the wines don't age better. You need a ut- like the whole thing around it is crazy, right? This was not meant to be. No, no, a, no it's not. I, it's not. It's not. So but it's just, it is. But it, it is. If, so if let, I, me, I let me if, if, so hang hang let on. me
2: turn to my. Yes. I guess this is my left. And so we've let's all talk had about a time. Ton- we've all yes, had a chance to taste the O4. Four. We've had a chance to let it sit. We've had yeah. a chance to let it aerate. So uh, and now we turn to Haley and say, um, Oh, why, must she, why did she get this, this tiny little glass? It's like you've given her like a tasting glass, so she has no idea. What she's, a, she's a professional. All right, so she'll go. Haley, what are your uh, initial impressions of the overall? Um, the nose reminds me a lot of the 14, that kind of toffee, sweeter nose to it. Um, I got cream corn. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, I think it still has like the brightness. Or life to it to say that like this is the 14 a
2: uh, 2004 wine that I would drink readily today. Now, Andre you said uh, some cream corn, and I definitely, like, I got you. You definitely get it. Like the cream it's corn, there.
1: golden, delicious apple, ripe pear, nice acid right down the middle. I'm still not loving this as much as the 17, just because there's there's an an opulence to the 17. This is more restrained and elegant. But the fact that this is 18
2: years old, it's still kicking. Now, it's unfair to ask Ed, because he's just going to like it no matter what.
0: I, I, so, you're right. <laughs> I, I am going, I, I am, I, I love the color, the richness. So, everybody says, oh, you know, wines age, you know, look, the color is aged on this yep. one. It's, it's a nice, beautiful, deeper yellow color. Yep. Um, this wine always started out as reductive. This was a super reductive wine early on. Um, and that was a winemaking technique. Daryl Brooker was the winemaker. Yep. Wow! And Daryl had did not like oxygen coming anywhere near. So we would take we if we took a bung off a barrel, dry ice was immediately thrown into the barrel. It was we made it in a super reductive situation. Absolutely, I think there's a rich creaminess to this that still exists that actually isn't. I think the acidity is vibrant in all these, which reduces that creaminess. Whereas on this one, I think you get a real creaminess, and and um, I, you can't tell me this wine is finished. It is it, not. Finished. It has years to go. Now you may not like the age, and this is one of the other things. Age is. Some people love aged wines. Some people don't love aged wines. But this wine has another ten years, fifteen years in it. I'm telling you. I don't know if I go that far. Oh. This is uh, screw cap, screw cap. My,
2: my, my, my initial is that, is that creamed corn, canned peaches, but not yeah. sweet, like it's been, they've been sitting out there on the... On the. Oh no,
1: this is a... And there's like a mineral note to... And there's minerality
2: to it. And my, my first few sips, and a couple of swallows in there, I really didn't like the finish. I was like, I like everything but the finish, but now that it has sat open, the finish has become, I don't know, just much more, uh, much more pleasant...
1: It's, it's got like graphite, graphite on the finish, but it's like the, it's the, the reduction is still like blowing off and it's not there on the nose, but I think it's there on the finish. And the more you
0: agitate it, the, the more yeah. accessible it's I I, gotta, I'm, I know I'm biased. I'm loving this and I filled my glass up again because I'm telling you, yeah, I am. And it's a good thing, I thing you love did
2: because you, you, you poured everybody else a little bit of, uh, more of the O4. And as I said, my first glass, uh, the finish was just like, I love everything but of this wine but the finish. But now the finish has come around. So we've been opening... Grapefruit pith. I don't even know. What are we... We opened, what, 10, 10, minutes? 10
0: minutes ago? Yeah. Yeah. Grapefruit and pith. And it's
2: gone really just, like, really beauty. Like, it's like ruby pink Florida grapefruit pith
1: that's yep. uh, poking through on the finish. Yep.
2: So it's it's really... Uh, so, Ed, these fantastic that you uh, you opened this uh, for us. Oh, I know pull, we the
1: got, pull the 17 out and do just smell it and next wants to, the, to
2: because, no, it's just, I, I because still have Andre some, likes the 17. I still have some
1: in my glass. You and I both said all along that the 17 is our, our favorite, so let's just do a, a quick side-by-side of the 17 next to the 04. Well,
2: it's, it's totally unfair
0: to do that, like, well, look, who's, I know, whose baby is cuter? It's, this is not fair. Look, I'm not, we, we, it, this is about learning. Like, I, this is to me one of the things that I love celebrating about wine is how do we learn, right? It's not, I don't mind if you, if you don't like a wine. That's, no, I, it's, it, I, it's, but what I love is we're learning, right? We're talking about different vintages. We're talking about different winemakers. We're talking about different techniques. That's to me what is super exciting about wine, right? So I, I do like the opulence of, this, of the 17. I like that
2: acidity. I love the fruit that comes through. I, I, there's there's hints of vanilla, but it's not overwhelming. I like That's the what's oak. missing from the '04 is like any any oak use on it is like is gone. Gone. But this this is is one of those absolute beauty wines, and you want to talk about a wine that should age another ten years easily. This one's got plenty of oh know, yeah gro- uh, breathing room. So and maybe
1: ten years from now, for episode seven hundred and fifty of this, we'll open up an 04 and a '17 and whatever banging vintage came from after that, and we'll see
2: how those hold up to each well, I'd, other? I'd be surprised. You know, I, I would...
1: I think the O4 is going to hang on. I've seen how you have it stored. Like, you have a, yep. a, a light-proof, temperature-controlled yep. room.
2: Everything's, like, stored yep. flawlessly.
0: Standing straight up and down.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I still like... It, it, it's an impressive-looking room, but I still like going into a, a side, side... side them Yeah, that's a slide-slotted cool. room. I yeah. still like that. To me, that's a wine cellar. Yeah, okay. You've got a wine shop there. <laughs> no, I got a, I got a, I got a wine celebration down there. Oh, I right? Call it what you will.
1: Uh, Any final but, thoughts, Ed, before we wrap this up? Um, and, and and by the way, thank you very much for doing this. This uh, has been an education.
0: Yeah. No. Look, I, I think uh, I think one of the things. Thank you for coming first and foremost, right? Uh, to me, thank you for talking about um, Chardonnay and Niagara and what we do here. It is super important that we discuss, like I said, the differences and celebrate the differences rather than poke holes in the flaws of something that might be that, something that you don't like. And, um, you know, we all had different preferences and we all like different wines. Uh, we had 17s, we had 9. I, I think the 4 is Haley, uh, which one was awesome. your favorite? Oh, no, yeah, that's
3: a good point. I mean, it was a 9, but after drinking the 4...
0: I could drink another glass of that one. Okay, okay. (laughs) See, so what's great about, um, yeah, so I, you know, look, let's celebrate and enjoy uh, what is great about wine, and that's, I think that's what we did today, and I appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys, you know, the hard work of, you know, four different winemakers, unbelievable vineyard people doing work to, to produce this fruit. And just a a steady commitment of everybody who's been at Flat Rock Cellars to to make killer Chardonnay.
1: Michael, will you tear up your ABC card now? No. (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca.
1: You can uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, check out patreon.com slash We appreciate the support.
0: And Michael wants another bottle of Chardonnay. A, B, C. Another bottle for, of got, Chardonnay. Another
1: bottle of Chardonnay. I just—I can't wait for this year to be done so that Chardonnay can be taken off the swear jar. It's uh, well, been an expensive year so far.
2: Well, here's the funny part. You really didn't say Chardonnay a lot. You paid five bucks for, I think, five Chardonnay references. You nice. got to drink Chardonnay, but you never got to say it. So nice. that's the funniest thing. I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. Join me on social media at The Great Guy, Michael Pincus. Oh, yeah, i come all over the place because, heck, I was early into social media. He came along and just put his name on as the same everywhere. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, Andre, thank you. Ed, thank you. Haley, uh, thanks for joining us. And Haley, thanks for popping in. <laughs> All right, My take it away, Michael. And only. And only. I doubt that. <laughs> Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.